your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is found within your word. God, we pray that in the moments to come, we ask Holy Spirit that you might speak through your word, that you might use an insufficient speaker to communicate the truths, the timeless truths of the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, as we seek to believe, as we seek to be your disciples, as we seek, Father, to grow in our relationship with you. We ask, Lord, that as you move through your Holy Spirit, you would teach us, you would encourage us, that, Father, you would help us along. Lord, we also ask that if there are places where we need correcting, that you would correct us. If there are places where we need conviction, would you convict us? So that, Father, we might give all that we have and all that we are for you and for your service and for your glory. We ask that you do all those things now through the power of your Spirit working through your Word. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Church, if you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. We'll be picking up in verse 32 of Luke, chapter 12. If you didn't happen to bring a Bible with you this morning, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew that's there in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of Scripture, feel free to take one of those in the back of the pew as a gift from us to you, from Bethany, to you, we would be happy to replenish it. Whether you're accessing your, the Word of the Lord in a digital or print format, I would ask, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word? This morning, I'll read for us in Luke chapter 12. I'll begin in verse 32, and we'll read through verse 48. When I've completed, I'll say, this is the Word of the Lord. If you are grateful for His Word, I encourage you to respond with a hearty Thanks be to God. Let's look together now at Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 32. The word of the Lord says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants to whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, Are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to him, My master is delayed in coming 
and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a lighter beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We come to this passage this morning as we are continuing in our sermon series, looking at what is a disciple. What are the practical outworkings of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? It fits into what our church mission statement is. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are becoming his disciples and we are seeking to build his kingdom. So when someone believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they believe that God sent his one and only son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life and to die the death and take the penalty that you and I deserved, and then God raised him from the dead. When someone believes that truth and believes it in such a way that it begins to change their heart, change their wants, change their desires, these are the attributes, these are the practical things that we should see begin to happen in their life. It, it, it all fits in with Galatians. The joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit of God dwelling within us. But also, as we seek to be disciples and to make disciples, this is what disciples should look like. Disciples should be a member of a local community. They should be a member of a church body. Disciples should be magnifiers. It should be our goal to make much of Jesus Christ, both in within the membership of our church and in the community and everywhere we live, individually and collectively. We should also be those who are ministers, who are servants of one another and those who are in need. Disciples of Jesus are members, magnifiers. We are ministers. Last week we looked at how we are supposed to be maturing Many times in the New Testament, we have this reference to growing from spiritual milk to growing into solid food. We should be maturing and not staying stagnant as disciples. This morning, we'll be looking at what it means to be a manager. Disciples of Jesus Christ should be managers. We should manage the things that the Lord has entrusted to us well. We should be messengers carrying the message of the gospel everywhere that we go, and we should be multipliers. We should make disciples. If you'll remember, every week that we've been doing this sermon series, we've looked at the end of the gospel of Matthew. The very end of the gospel of Matthew, we get the great commission from Jesus, right? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Said, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. If we are going to be a disciple, then we are called to go and make disciples of those who are currently not disciples. That's where that multiplier comes in. When you listen and, and read and go over these seven M's, most of them make a lot of sense, right? I mean, it, it seems pretty normal, pretty natural that Christians should be members of churches, 
Christians should be magnifying the Lord Jesus, make a big deal out of God. People should be ministering and serving to one another. There's language in the Bible about maturing and growing up. That, that's a, a normal thing. We carry a message and we are to multiply. I mean, all these things are almost elementary when it comes to what we see in the Bible. The one that stands out to me the most, and this list of seven M's is something I've borrowed from a very good pastor friend of mine named Ken Adams, and he is uh, the pastor at Crossroads Church in Noonan, Georgia. Excellent man, great list that he has pulled from Scripture to bring out these practical outworkings of the fruit of the Spirit. But the one that always caught me was manager. So what does that mean, that we as disciples should be managers? Where do you get that out of Scripture. Well, there's actually, within the seven M's, we get four T's. So I I know this is a lot this morning, but bear with me. We are managers, and what God calls us to be managers of is our time, our treasure, our temple, and our talent. Our time, our treasure, our temple, and our talent. If we are disciples of Jesus, it's going to change the way that we go about managing our time, our treasure, our temple, and our talent. The way that we manage these things in our lives should look markedly different from those who don't follow Jesus. There should be a significant change in the way that we prioritize things in our life. There should be a significant shift in how we manage our wealth, how we manage our talent, how we manage our bodies, how we manage the time that God has given us. And so this passage that we begin with this morning encompasses every one of those within the verses. This is Jesus beginning, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't miss that first verse. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus Christ does not want you to be completely absent of the kingdom. He wants to give us the kingdom. He wants us by faith to participate in his kingdom, to be citizens of his nation. He has given the kingdom to us. It is his good pleasure to entrust this kingdom to you and to me. But as a part of that, he's asking us to reorient what we count as valuable. And he says in verse 33, sell your possessions, give to the needy, Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. Now, I I recently purchased one of those Ridge wallets, and they're like the most minimalistic thing that you can get. It's just like a rubber band around two pieces of metal, and I absolutely love it. I, I remember as a young boy, my dad always had this wallet that he kept in his left pocket, and He did that because he was left-handed. He kept it in his back left pocket. I remember when I started carrying a wallet, I thought that's what everybody did that carried wallets. Wallets just went in everybody's back left pocket. And I was always fumbling, trying to get around to the other side of my pants. And finally, my dad said, Nathan, you you, you can put your wallet anywhere you want to put it, son. But I just noticed he would sit down and he'd he'd almost be leaning this other way because this massive thing with cards and business cards and credit cards and extra cash and all this stuff is just huge Massive thing, and it was every birthday, every Christmas, that wallet was worn slap out. That leather was done for, and we had to get Dad a new wallet, and it always had to be a big old fat thing so that everything he needed could fit in there. And there wasn't any point in buying Dad a real nice wallet because it didn't matter if you bought him a $300 wallet or if you bought him a $3 wallet. That thing was going to be ruined by his next birthday. It's just how it worked. And so we learned, don't waste money on a wallet that's just going to wear out. It's the same principle here. 
Jesus says, don't waste money buying a real fancy money bag when you can't take that money with you. Don't waste your time, your talent, your energy, your resources on things that will only rot. He's trying to get us to reorient from being so focused on the physical, on the here and now, to think about this kingdom that he's trying to give us is not a kingdom that you can grasp. It's not something that you can hold. It has no monetary value. And so there's no need for us to build bigger barns when all of that we're focused on is feeding ourselves and our family. Provide for ourselves money bags that do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Build bigger barns, fill them with extra grain, and distribute it to those who have need. It's not that Jesus is against building bigger barns. It's not that Jesus is against spending money. It's not that Jesus says money doesn't matter. It's the intention behind the money that matters. He says, invest in money bags that do not grow old. And then verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That verse encompasses everything about managing our time, our treasure, our temple, our talent. It doesn't matter what your treasure is. But whatever that treasure is, will be where your heart is. So, you pick anything in this world that you want to be your treasure. It could be your kids. It could be your grandkids. It could be your friends. It could be your family. It could be your job. It could be your bike. It could be hunting. It could be shopping. It could be anything in the world that you want it to be. But whatever you and I make our treasure, that's where our heart will be. And and I just wonder, as we walk through this, As we're examining ourselves, how many of us could say that our treasure, that our our uttermost, what we hold of the highest value is the kingdom that God is entrusting to us? It is his good pleasure to give us his kingdom. Is that your treasure? Is that my treasure? Or am I focused on the here and now? Am I focused on what's right in front of my face? Am I focused on how much money's in my bank account so that I can make myself and my family happy? So that I can give my kids the best opportunity at life and they'll be safe and they'll be secure. And we're not concerned as to whether or not they'll be holy. We're just worried about if they'll be protected. It's tough. But where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. So where is our treasure? So let's start off with time. And you might be thinking, there's nowhere in Scripture where it's talking about managing our time well. That's a great question. That's a great concern, but you'd be wrong on that. When we talk about our time, the Bible is very concerned with how we use our time. We're just going to look at two verses of the many this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the... What? What does that say? Y'all help me out. Maybe my glasses aren't working this morning. Making the best use of the... Oh, man, my ears aren't good either. Can y'all just say it a little bit louder for me? Make the best use of the... time, Because the days are evil. That was true in Paul's day. You know, some of us like to think, oh, it was the good old days. The good old days back then. Yeah, but Paul's already saying the days are evil. Make the best use of our time because the days were already evil. The days are still evil. Are we making the best use of our time? Are we living wisely? Now, now what is that wisdom? That wisdom is, are we focused on the kingdom? Are we focused on what matters and what will be eternal? Or are we focused on spending our time, spinning our wheels 
frivolously going nowhere? Is our time spent doing menial tasks that mean nothing in someone else's life and help no one get closer to the kingdom of God? If that's what we're doing with our time, that's not a wise use of our time. It is unwise, and it is against what we are encouraged in Ephesians. Again, in Colossians, almost the exact same wording. Colossians 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And he uses this exact same phrase. Making the best use of the... Oh, y'all almost had it. Y'all were there. Y'all were real close. And it's going to be a pattern you're going to notice as we go through these other teeth. Making the best use of the... Hey, we're catching on. Make the best use of our time. It may seem meticulous. It may seem tedious to drill down to this level. But it is a command that the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we make the best use of our time. You may remember, um, you know, one way or another, you may remember that there was a sermon several years ago that I preached in which I brought a vacuum up here onto the stage. And I vacuumed the stage and stopped preaching. Now, is it wrong to vacuum the stage? No. That's a good thing to do, right? We would like for this stage to be clean. This is a place we've set apart for the worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is it the best use of the time at, you know, 11.15, 11.20 on a Sunday morning to vacuum the stage? No. It's a very unwise use of our time, right? Everybody's gathered. There's no reason for somebody to be standing up here vacuuming instead of preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The same thing is true in our lives every day. It may not be that extreme. It may not be that exorbitant, okay? It may not be a hyperbole to that degree. But how often are you and I caught up vacuuming the stage when we should be preaching the Word of God? How often have we mismanaged our time? And when we look at how we use our time, we're not making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And you and I are really good. We are really good at talking about how evil and bad the days are, aren't we? We are professionals at telling everybody what's wrong and what's wrong in our world. But what are we doing to make the best use of the time because of those things? Because it is evil, how are we changing the way we use our time? What's the solution instead of just the problem? The days are evil. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders because they need to know the gospel. They need to know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that there is hope. And there is hope in Jesus alone. Are we using our time wisely? Not only our time, but our treasure. Our treasure. Psalm 24, 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. The world and everything in it belongs to the Lord God Almighty. There is nothing that you can create or do on your own that is not utilizing something that belongs to the Lord. My favorite is, a, is a, just an old corny preacher joke, okay? You know I love them. You know I'm all about them. There were these scientists who finally figured out how to make humans out of dirt. And they went up to the Lord and they stood before the gates of heaven and they said, Ha! God, we've got you. We know you made Adam and Eve and we know you just made Adam out of the dirt and you breathed life into him. We figured out how to do it. We've got you. And the Lord said, Oh, all right. Well, looks like y'all been hard at work. Well, that sounds great, guys. Why don't you go ahead and show me what you know how to do? So the scientists skitter off and run away, and they come back with this big wheelbarrow full of dirt, and they're starting to scoop it out and pile it up, and the Lord goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. First, you've got to make your own dirt, guys. I know, I know. 
But the whole point of the joke is there's nothing that doesn't belong to the Lord. Even the dirt. He made the dirt. Even the people. It says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Every leaf on every tree, every blade of grass, every insect, every bug, every ant. Every one of those 20 trillion ants that are all over the world that seem to like crawl all through our yards. Have you ever felt like your whole house was built on an anthill? The Lord owns every single ant. He owns everything. And then it says, just in case you were wondering what was meant by the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. We can think, man, I've got a lot of stuff that I've built up. But you belong to the Lord. I belong to the Lord. Believing in the gospel is about acknowledging that the Lord already owns us. And then that word treasure is in Luke chapter 12. What we just read. Verse 34, the heart of this message. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How are we doing at managing our time? How are we doing at managing our treasure? Do we hoard it to ourselves so that we can build bigger barns and bigger houses and buy nicer cars and make our lives more comfortable and more convenient? Or do we utilize the wealth and the resources that God has given us to advance his kingdom? Everything belongs to him. Everything already belongs to him. When we give back to the Lord, when we use our money for his kingdom, we're just using his money to help him do what he was already going to do. We just get to be a part. So how are we using our treasure? Next is our temple. First Corinthians will tell us in chapter 6, verse 18, to flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but sexual immorality, a sexually immoral person sins against his own body. In light of that, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. God calls for disciples to be the kind of people who manage our temple well. He calls us to take care of these bodies. You know what I find funny, ironic funny, is that we will get tied up in knots about this campus, about this facility, because we view this place subconsciously as the temple. And the same ones of us who get so fired up about this campus and this building are the same ones of us who take terrible care of our own bodies. This is not the house of the Holy Spirit. The house of the Holy Spirit is those who believe in Jesus. When the fiery tongues fell on the apostles on the day of Pentecost, that's the only time that the fire of the Holy Spirit fell on the temple since it fell on the temple that Solomon built. So the Holy Spirit indwells us. My body is the temple. And so if if I'm going to be a temple for the Holy Spirit and I'm going to be meticulous in how I care for the temple of the Holy Spirit, it's got to be how I care for my own body. It used to drive me crazy growing up seeing preachers who weighed four or 500 pounds condemning folks who smoked. Smoking's terrible for your body. You shouldn't do it. But the same guys that are standing up there about to pass over, pass out from a coronary heart attack immediately, they're the same ones saying, take care of your body, don't smoke. Listen, i got to take better care of my temple. you got to take better care of your temple. That is a part of being a disciple of Jesus. And you go, well, no, 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 that's, that's just some weird health scheme you're trying to push. No, I'm just telling you, Jesus calls his disciples 
to manage their lives, to manage their treasure, to manage their time, to manage their temple. The temple is your body. And if we sit around lazy all the time, shoving junk food in our mouths, that is disrespectful to what gift God has given us. If we don't take good care of our temple, that's important. Carve out time. We have to do that. I have to do better at that. All of us, if we're going to be disciples of Christ, we should take better care of our temple. Verse 19, just one more time. Or do you not know that your body is... Your time, ready? Are you ready? Do you not know that your body is a... Where's the temple of the Lord? It's your body. Your body is a... Take care of your temple. Take care of your talent, your treasure, your temple, your time. Last one is talent. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, God has gifted you. Do you hear that? God has gifted you. You may feel today like you are the most worthless person on the face of the planet. And I want to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. You may feel like there's nothing good that you can do and nothing that you can contribute to the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that is a lie from our enemy. Every single person who is in this room, who can hear my voice, God has given you specific gifts and specific talents. You are valued and worthwhile and worthy in God's sight through Christ. And He's given you a gift. Your life is not hopeless. It is not helpless. You are not worthless. You are gifted. You are talented. Jesus has made you that way. It's up to us to find where that talent is and what that gift is and how to use that for His glory. But He's given you a talent. You have value. You have something you're good at. And don't allow the enemy to tell you anything other than that. God has made every one of us with individual gifts and talents and abilities. And we are all able to do something to serve our Lord. So how are we using those talents? Use it to serve one another as good stewards. This word in Greek, is the, it's a compound word in Greek that just means overseer of the house, a manager. This is where we get our word for manager. Be a good manager of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God might be glorified, through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has given each of us gifts and talents. And disciples of Jesus Christ seek to be good managers of those talents. Are you using your talents for your own glory? Am I using my talents for my own glory? fact of the matter is, you are talented. And you have a choice. How will I use those talents. Maybe God has given you some sort of business insight and you have some sort of acumen and he keeps blessing your business and it keeps growing. You keep moving up the corporate ladder. You keep growing in your position of influence at your office, at the place where you work. People look to you for direction. Are you using that influence? Are you using those business skills? Are you using that acumen for the sake of his kingdom? Are you using what God has given you? Maybe you're crafty. Maybe you know how to paint and do all these really artsy things that are just absolutely beyond me. 
But are you using those to glorify God? Or are you using those so that everybody will talk about how good you are at what you do? Because let's, let's be honest with one another. It feels really good when you are good at something and people confirm that you're good in something. It feels really nice for somebody to unsolicited come along and recognize, hey, I saw where you did X, Y, Z, and that was amazing. It feels nice to get accolades and praise from people. But it's poison. Because it tempts us further and further to say, well, maybe I should do this a little bit more for me. Maybe I should do this a little bit more for me. One of the most easy to pick on type of talents is singing. How many times do you see somebody step up there and their heart's not in the right place and their own America's Got Talent or their own American Idol or The Voice or whatever and they sing their little song and they're just like, I just want to give glory to God. But the song that they just sang was the most like devil, demon-filled song that you've ever heard in your life. And you're like, you, you don't, you're not up here to give glory to God. What, get God's name out of your mouth. Like That has nothing to do with what you just did. I'm not, you're a talented singer, but you're up there so everybody will know you're a talented singer. Folks, it's easy to pick on singers because that's one that's obvious and out front. But every one of us has that same heart within us. Every one of us wants that same recognition. Every one of us wants people to recognize we're good. We have that longing to get that pat on the back. I want you to know God made you good at something. And He's the one that will give you the pat on the back when you use that gift and that talent and that ability that He's given you for His kingdom and for His glory, and for His honor, and for His church, and for His children, for your brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you using your talents for the Lord? Folks, that's that's all there is to it for managing. How are you managing your time? How are you managing your treasure? How are you managing your temple? How are you managing your talents? Jesus Christ has called us to follow Him. And as we follow Him, we should be found as the good servants, as the good stewards, expecting His return any day. We manage these things well because He could show up at any moment. Do we want to be found as one of the bad managers who thought, ah, Master's not coming back anytime soon. I can be lazy. I can do anything I want. Or do we want to be found as the servants of the house? who were faithful and diligent and hardworking and seeking to do everything that we could to glorify the Master, and He finds us in the midst of our faithfulness when He returns. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If you are, how do you manage your time, your treasure, your temple, your talents? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your Word, we thank You for the truth that You give us through Your Word. God, the most encouraging thing about looking at these verses is that even though we're not good managers, Lord, even though I'm not a good manager, there is still grace and mercy at the foot of Your cross. Thank You for dying for our sins. Thank You for paying the penalty that we deserve so that we would have the opportunity to reprioritize our lives around You and around the kingdom You're seeking to give to us, that You're entrusting us with. We pray, Lord, and we ask that You would help us 
and cause us by the power of your spirit to be found faithful as managers of our time, of our treasure, of our temple, and of our talents. And Lord, if there is someone here today who's never trusted in you, who's never believed in you, who's never tried to reorient these priorities because they don't see the value that you have for them in your life, in your death, in your resurrection, I pray that you would move on their heart this morning. God, we ask that you would speak to us now and move in this room as we offer a time to respond to your spirit. We ask all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.